Welcome to The Healing Hour. This is the official podcast of The Girl Healer. I'm Hannah Olivia, the creator of The Girl Healer. The Girl Healer's aim has always been to make a difference and create change in the world and the people in it through healing. Whether that be through guidance, healing words, written quotes, music, intuitive readings, insightful conversations and spiritual healing. I hope that this is a space for you to learn, grow, reflect and heal. Today's show is all about healing with Chinese medicine. I'm really intrigued about this episode because apart from acupuncture and owning two gua shuas, I have very little knowledge of Chinese medicine and the long-term benefits. I'm absolutely thrilled to have Katie Brindle on Healing Hour today. Katie's the founder of Hey You Method and published her book, Yang Sheng, The Art of Chinese Healing, both of which distill ancient Chinese medicine techniques into simple daily rituals. She's been working in Chinese medicine since 2002 and she practices in massage and reflexology as well. I'm so happy to have her. She has an astounding knowledge. Thank you so much, Katie, for coming on the Healing Hour today. I know how incredibly busy you are, so I really appreciate it. You're very welcome, Hannah. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. As I mentioned in my introduction, I know very little about Chinese medicine. I have had acupuncture, which I found so relaxing. And I know that's one of the most well-known practices of Chinese medicine. Um, But I know very little about other concepts. Could you just touch on Chinese medicine in a little more detail for those who probably know nothing about it? Yes, and this is the thing. When you say you're a Chinese um, medicine uh, medicine practitioner, people always go, oh, do you do acupuncture and herbs? Um, That's what they always say. Um, And I do do acupuncture. I didn't actually do herbs. So herbal medicine is obviously a massive aspect of Chinese medicine. But so are other things like Qigong or nutritional therapy or Yang Sheng, which is the self-care aspect of Chinese medicine or Tuina massage. So there are many, many other aspects of Chinese medicine. And ultimately for me, I specialized in Yang Sheng because I found it so approachable, so easy, effortless, often free, and sort of tied into my my understanding of the body and what Chinese medicine says, which is you are the sovereign of your body. And therefore no one's living your life more than you are. And therefore the most important person to make you well is yourself. I couldn't agree more. And coming from a, a spiritual healing perspective, I think we're on the same page with that. Although we do very different methods, um, I'm a complete believer in exactly those words, what you've said, you couldn't have put it better. So how did you get into Chinese medicine and what made you have such a keen passion for this really over other healing modalities or Western medicine principles? Um, Well, I entered into Chinese medicine, as many people do in the West, um, through desperation. Um, Having then become a practitioner myself, I, I heard that echoing thousands of times in my clinic with people saying, I've tried everything. And my friend said, why don't you try acupuncture? I mean, honestly, if I had a pound for every time someone said that to me um, and I was the same. Um, I had had this awful car accident, which had left me with an appalling uh, whiplash injury, which had affected my voice, my ability to work, my vocation. I was I wanted to be an opera singer. I couldn't sing anymore. I could barely speak. I couldn't sit at a desk. So I was in a really bad state. Um, And because I was so ill, I couldn't work. And because I couldn't work, I couldn't afford to see any private practitioners because I could only work within what was being offered on the NHS. And unfortunately for me, it didn't work. So, you know, the normal routes were were closed off. My body wasn't responding to them. So it didn't fix the problem. Um, I then over the sort of subsequent several years, like many people do, went from pillar to post 
sort of learning to live with the problem, dealing with it, managing as best I could, getting a job, just getting on with my life and uh, trying this, trying that, and just ultimately living with the pain, which is where I got to. Um, and then one day I was walking up the Edgware High Street of all places with my mother, having been to Sainsbury's, because in those days you used to have to park the car kind of miles away up the road and walk to Sainsbury's and love all the bags. Yeah. I know, remember that pre the internet. Um, and my shoulder was hurting so badly. Um, we walked past one of those TCM places on the high street where it said 10 minutes of massage for 10 pounds or something like it's probably five pounds back then. But it was one of those. And my shoulder was hurting so much. I thought, oh, do you know what? I don't care what they do to me right now. I'm in so much agony. I don't care what he does. So my mum, so I said, well, don't I'll hold the bags. She said, I remember it so clearly. Um, and I went in and he performed gua sha um, on the area. And it was incredible. I mean, it was like day and night. Um, and I was crying my eyes out both in relief and also in sort of excitement in terms of the fact that I'd found something that actually worked. And I couldn't believe that it was so simple. And yet no one had offered me that that solution when all the, with all the money I'd spent, all the time I'd spent, all the suffering I'd gone through. Um, and I sort of had a epiphany moment right there as he was washing my back. I thought, right, this is it. This is this is my calling. This was this is what I need to do. This is incredible. How does no one know about this? How did I not know about this? So that was that, and I went home, uh, and that was the beginning of my journey. I started with massage therapy as my is my intro. I didn't go straight into acupuncture, um, and studied uh, with a very famous massage called Claire Maxwell Hudson. So I studied Western massage, but also carried on working with this Chinese doctor who taught me Tuinar, which is the Chinese massage, and then I went on and studied reflexology, and that was the beginning of the rest of my life. So basically, I mean, there's so much there to, to go with. Being a psychic medium, I truly believe, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, but I have many clients who go through some major accident or some pivotal awakening, whether that be a divorce or a death, and it literally leads them to their whole life path. And is that how you feel? Like it just feels like you've gone on this complete journey of trying to find something, and within that one minute, of meeting this guy, he completely changed your entire life. Mm, that's exactly what happened. And that expression, sort of the pivotal awakening, is absolutely right, because subsequent to my own pivotal awakening, which was this crash, which ended, I guess, the illusion of my upbringing, because the illusion was to be a professional singer. And yes. actually, with the hindsight of years, um, and, and with the benefit of hindsight, I look back and think, at the time I was crushed, crashed and crushed. Yeah. But actually with hindsight, it was the best possible thing because I would never have made it. I would never have been so useful as a singer as I am as a healer, or possibly I joke and say, I'm not really a singer, I'm a talker. <laughs> you know what, this is so interesting, Katie, because I'm a professional singer, but what's weird is I went through a very, I didn't have a car crash, but I have had open hip surgery and it's the weirdest thing because I ended up on my, my healing path trying to find an answer. So I feel like this is literally a mirror reflection. I still do write songs, I still do sing. And in fact, my intro on my podcast and the end has got music on it of my own but it's so interesting how like you say you're you're already meant to be this healer but you kind of have to go through this obstacle course in order to kind of get to where you're meant to be and I think that all of us who are healers are so creative anyway so like you say you had that creativity in your opera voice and you're kind of expressing your creativity through your hands and other sources now and I just love that I think that's incredible 
Um, yes, and that's that's absolutely right. And I think the other thing is now that I'm sort of working very much in, in, in the right industry, um, I'm now coming across many, many hidden healers who didn't even recognize that they were or were afraid of it or didn't know what they could do with it. And I think that's the other thing that being someone born in the end of the 20th century, you know, 1972. So, I'm, you know, many of our generation are very much got a foot in each camp of both both energies of the century. Um, and we didn't know healing was even a possibility. It didn't even occur to me growing up that that was even a thing. And yeah. actually, yeah, when I started as a masseuse, I mean, honestly, I was treated like a sex worker. And I'm not I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I had to protect myself fully from some very unsavory clients, uh, you know, in, in the first couple of years. And it's only because I'm pretty punchy myself that I could withstand the kind of abuse that I received by trying to help people. Now, that is a long, long way away from where we are now. Where oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I was going to say that to you. I feel my journey from healing started about 15, 20 years ago. And I will honestly say, when people asked me what I did, they would look at me like I was an alien. I started to say I was studying and practicing. Now it's like, it's so embraced. And I feel the generation now who are in their 20s, they have had it so much easier. And it's probably because we are changing in our vibration and we're, we're raising and, and the planet's awakening. But I just feel that we, me and you, have kind of had to have the resilience to allow the next generation to to come in and do these pra practitions and at a much easier pace than we had it if that makes sense I feel like we were the, the first ones that had to kind of like have our armor up so to speak yeah well we were we are the pioneers of of that and this is evolution at work I mean evolution is painful and if people think it isn't well, it's better to start getting on to the truth of the matter, which is yeah. evolution is painful. Just look at a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. That is yes. not a straightforward look at giving birth. These are not straightforward processes. No, they're not. I know. Because they're valuable. Yeah. And I say this a lot to clients where they just expect that kind of click of a finger. You have to look at the darker aspects of yourself mm. in order to get to the light. And, and that's the truth yeah. of it. You know, you need to, uh, you know, so many people shy away or they try and hide how they're feeling. It's like, no, if you want to heal, you need to find out what it is inside of you that's, that's feeling that way. But anyway, so I know you work with Yang Sheng principles and I would love you to delve in deeper about this practice. So what it entails, how it can help heal you yes well yang sheng is the self-care aspect of chinese medicine it's the bit that no one's heard of well they have heard of it now but they hadn't before it means nurture life is what it actually means and beautiful. the idea it's beautiful yeah. and it's really kind of phd level of uh eating five a day and doing ten thousand steps i mean <laughs> it, it is and, and this is the thing with us in 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 this culture kind of aiming to do that and often failing to do so uh, versus the onslaught of modern life whereby we are under unprecedented pressure um and execution and and um requirement to be totally on top of everything at all times especially i think as women because i feel now as a, as a working mother that you know we're expected now to sort of do everything our mothers did and everything our fathers did and we don't get much downtime um no. and people are creaking at the seams as a result because no one can cope so if there ever there was a moment to start looking at other cultures to see, well, how did they, how did they deal with this in the past? Because life was not easy in the past. Just watch Netflix. Um, you'll get the gist. But so life in some respects is easier now than it was because we have labor saving devices and we have central heating and we live in houses. But on the other hand, 
life is incredibly difficult. And we need to look at these ancient practices to recognize the common sense that they were showing us and the pleasure of looking after oneself and how important and valuable and fundamental to our health and happiness um, these techniques are. And the way I describe it is like our teeth. So Yang Sheng is like the toothbrush, okay? And your GP is like the dentist. And that's, yeah. and we're doing it for our teeth, but we're not doing it for our bodies. So we at the moment as a society are not brushing our teeth for our bodies. We're doing it for our teeth and we therefore expect to have our teeth for our whole lives. Yes. Whereas hundred years ago, I remember as a little girl, my grandmother did not have her teeth. She had dentists. No, yeah. Right? They all did. Yeah. And it was weird. It was like, ooh, her teeth in the glass. <laughs> Whereas, you know, we all have our teeth. My grandmother was probably my age when, when I was when I was born. So the reality is, is that we need to start adopting the toothbrush for the rest of our bodies, because clearly there's something in it. Doing the right thing for a couple of minutes every day is clearly making a difference to our teeth. Absolutely. And it's funny, isn't it? Like you say, we wouldn't think twice about brushing our teeth, you know, twice a day. That is just the norm. But yet we forget about other principles that help us. So could you tell us some basic Yangsheng techniques that could help a total beginner? I know, obviously, we're on a podcast, so you can't physically show people, but maybe just give a little bit of an insight. Yes, absolutely. Well, I always start with the basic one, which is breath, because breath is free. And um, you can't tell me you don't have time to do it because if you didn't breathe, you would die. Exactly. So, um, and we're breathing. Exactly. So we're breathing all the time. Now, what's useful about breath is that breath is one of those things that is that it goes into the subconscious. So we breathe all the time and we don't even pay attention to it. Um, and then suddenly you'll be doing a breath exercise and you'll be thinking about it. So the simplest thing you can possibly do, and the most important one is what I call the rescue breath, where you just take your hands and you place place one palm over the back of the other hand and then place the other palm over your lower belly, and all that little podgy bit when you sit yeah. down, just there, um, under, under the belly button. And just so kind of where the sacral, a bit where the sacral chakra is, that area. Yes, exactly, where the sacral chakra is, exactly there, literally. That's called the Dantian in Chinese Yes, Dantian. Yeah, it's also the sacred chakra. So just place your hands there, sit comfortably, close your eyes and just start to breathe slowly. Just being aware of your nostrils, of the breath gently coming in and out of your mouth. And then simply take your attention down to where your hands are clasped. Just be aware of where that feels. You can feel the pressure of your palm. Feel the breath entering the body. Breathing slowly. And smile on your lips like Mona Lisa. And imagine the same smile down in your lower belly. And if your attention wanders, simply take it back to where your hands are clasped. And when you're ready, just slowly take your attention back up to your mind. So feel the back of your eyes with your attention. And when you're ready, just come back to the room and slowly blink 
And you'll find after just that one minute of that slow smiling breath, the entire energy of the body has just calmed right down. The world is still whizzing around outside, but you just feel lovely and calm, relaxed yet energized. How did that feel? Yeah, I just feel, I mean, I, I meditate a lot anyway, but I just felt really, I feel very alert. I feel very calm. And do you know what's really important? I feel present. And yeah. that is where we make mistakes. We often are in the past too much or in the future too much. And in order for everything, whether we want to manifest, whether we want to be content, we need to be in the present moment. And that's exactly what you've just done. You've brought everyone who's listening into the present moment. Mm. And that's that's the simplest Yang Cheng. Now, um, a more physical one yeah. is the shake. Now, the shake is so easy. So you just stand up and just shake like a dog. All oh, over I the- love that. I love that. Yeah. Easy, 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 easy. So that's the, the second one, having got the breath kind of into the body. Then you just shake it round. And the Taoist masters always say, if you want to understand humans, you need to observe animals. Um, and that's something what you'll notice that if you've got a pet, that if you if you've got a dog, say, and you say, right, come on then. And the first thing they do is they kind of get up, they have a little shake yes. and then they stretch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, what? it's really interesting you say that shaking because we're obviously all energy and I do quite a lot of fanning just to kind of clear my energy and get rid of any stagnant energy. And that's exactly it. You're shaking. You're literally moving away any stagnant energy, aren't you, within that process? Mm, absolutely it's so easily done it's great so those are really really basic techniques they're the basic basic free ones um then if you want to go into depth with that there are thousands and thousands of breathing exercises um of which laughter therapy yes brilliant one that i do every day on my class so for one whole minute you laugh um, i love that. that I love it. It's so good for you. It's good for your um, endorphins. It's good for your mood. It's good for your energy. It's good for the lymphatic system. It's good for the immune system. Um, and it basically floods the body with, with positive frequency um, and makes you feel so much better. There is so much studies now being done on how brilliant laughter is. So laughter therapy is a really easy one to do. So just, you know, just go um, FaceTime a friend and just start laughing together and you'll find that the other one laughing will make you laugh and you can keep it going for a minute and you feel amazing when you've done it and you know I I heard as well my um, dad used to act and I'd chatted to him in the past and sometimes in rehearsals people like before they started they would do that they would sit in a circle and just laugh and not only did it warm up their vocal cords but they just gave a sense of this wonderful energy and everyone just felt really ready to go so I think that's lovely I really like that so as your website states there's an ancient Chinese proverb waiting to treat illnesses after they manifest is like waiting to dig a well after one is thirsty Mm. now I could not agree more I think our society all too often waits until an illness occurs before it actually before we actually maintain our well-being and this is just crazy when you think about it because our body is the temple that carries our soul around it and so if you should be our number one priority really about our mindset and too often we wait until issues have manifested in a much bigger way like we have to be told that we have an ailment or we have to feel something before we actually think about nourishing and maintaining the body when this should be a daily practice really to deter from illness so do you feel that the Chinese culture care more about nourishing and maintaining the body before it gets too late to in order to regularly look after the long-term health, do you feel that they do that much more than we do? 
Um, oh, okay, that's quite a big question because uh, China's huge um, and there's billions of people and we're talking about thousands of years. So let me just break that down for a minute because obviously China has had its own cultural revolution in the last 70 years. Um, and that's massively changed society radically sort of yes. in, 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 since my parents were born. Um, and it's swinging back round again. So there's quite a lot going on. Um, so the first thing to say is that all traditional medicines worked on prevention, all of them. Now, the reality is, is that in this country, we kind of annihilated traditional medicine um, in the witch hunt. I mean, we did. And then we went off and colonized a whole load of other countries and annihilated all their um, traditional medicines as well and called it all shamanic. Now, the only reason that, well, there's many reasons I love Chinese medicine, but one of the reasons is because they had a different history. They weren't colonized, not in the same way. The, the, the European powers were taking bites of the ports. Japan invaded. You know, there's a lot of stuff that happened last century, but up until last century, they kind of remained intact. Okay, they had their old ways. Um, and that was all the way through till, you know, many of the remote villages and things all the way through until sort of the 1950s, 60s, even 70s um, didn't even have electricity. So they didn't, so, you know, the, the, the modernization of the rest of the world hadn't reached there, which meant that it wasn't such a long time ago that it was starting to get forgotten about. That's the difference. Now, I'm talking about a massive country. So you'll find that in massive land masses, so imagine, you know, the whole of Europe, for example, that not everything is going to change at the same time. No. So things would change in, in, say, Rome much quicker than they would perhaps in a tiny little village in, I don't know, in, in, in southern Italy, miles away from anything with no train line connections. Sure. OK, yeah. so we're talking about, you know, quite big land masses and quite large swathes of populations and quite large chunks of history. So I'm slightly airbrushing and generalizing, but it will get the gist. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. Um, so the reality is, is that there is living memory of the old ways that are still alive with human beings to this day from China. And that's what I love about it, because it wasn't tampered with. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Ayurveda is incredible. I mean, it's, 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 it, it, these, these are gifts to the world. But ultimately, Ayurveda is still completely intact. But it, uh, Indian culture was influenced by the British Empire. It was. Yeah. Not, you know, I'm not happy about it, but it was. So it's what I love about the Chinese systems and some of the masters I work with is that they were born into the authenticity of its, of its originality and purity. Um, and therefore, that heritage is still very much there. Now, it's changed rapidly. Okay, China has modernized more quickly than than many other most other cultures I can think of in a rapid space of time. So consequently, there was a kind of backlash to it, thinking, oh, this is shamanic, this is old fashioned, this is old YV sort of stuff, you know, old wives tale, that sort of dismissal. And anyway, in goes Western medicine, all shiny and new, and it all seems to make so much sense. It's all terribly exciting. And it is. Western medicine is amazing. Um, but the reality is, is that we now in the 21st century need both. Yes. Now, Politically, China is moving back to that as well. So the president right now is investing billions of yen into uh, re-researching re, re Chinese medicine and all the, all the authentic medicine traditions that they had. And there's, there's so much money being poured into it right now because the government can see that there is, without question, uh, a need for both. And anyway, in many Chinese hospitals, they do already have Eastern and Western medicine practicing alongside. So, for example, um, if you are having cancer treatment in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a hospital in, say, Shanghai, 
um, you are likely to be in a hospital where you will be receiving chemotherapy and herbal medicine and acupuncture at the same time. So they combine the two. Now, I would like to see us yes. as enlightened as that in our culture to not be, in my opinion, slightly xenophobic um, in our political system about going, oh, well, what could they possibly know that we don't? Because I'm like, well, actually, quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. And actually, they, they've incorporated our system. So why are we not incorporating those? Why? Well, presumably there is an opinion that ours are superior. It can only be. Yeah. But actually, if you look at it from another viewpoint, that's not the case. So I love the fact that um, I talk a lot about the sovereign self. And what we'd want in the 21st century is people to have a sense of autonomy about their bodies and what they're doing and what they're doing to themselves and why they have the symptoms that they have to then immediately address them themselves with lifestyle habits, because yes. that's largely causing it, um, to take the pressure off the NHS so that, for example, I don't ever see my doctor. I don't need to go. Um, so consequently, I am not taking up um, valuable NHS time by going to see my GP because I don't need to go, leaving the GP with more time to deal with the people that, that need to see him because, or her, sorry, because they're, sorry, that's very sexist, to see, <laughs> sorry, I just can't believe that just came out of my mouth, sorry, to see the GP uh, because they, they've got a more, uh, a more advanced condition. So the 21st century is all about enlightenment and having the best of both worlds. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, literally, you're taking the words out of my mouth. I feel, you know, I very rarely go to the doctors because obviously being a spiritual healer, I know I get to the root of the problem. I, I can intuitively know what is emotional issues causing that physical problem because everything is relevant to an emotional problem and it's disease in the body. So it's a disease, some mm. kind of problem within the body. Um. But what I find so infuriating is when I have been to the doctors on those um, small occasions, maybe with my daughter or something, they'll ask me my occupation. And I've had the odd doctor just oh, snigger. God. They will snigger at me. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, yeah. if only you knew. Like, I took my daughter to have her eye test. Um, she has glasses. And they said, we don't know what's happened, but her eyes have improved so much. This was back last year. And I said, well, I'm a healer and I've been working on her because I know there's an emotional problem. And I very much picked up. It no, I picked up it was from a past life. Now I never told them that. They would have probably. Oh my God, why they would you have, say that? No, I said I didn't tell them <laughs> that. Well, I bet you gave them plenty of fodder for their coffee break. Yeah, that no, I, I didn't tell them. I didn't tell them. Breath. I didn't tell them about the past life. I was thinking internally. Oh, I right. know what it is, but I thought if I'd have told them that, they probably would have taken me out in a straight jacket. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know when you just sit there right. and you think, gosh. If we could just implement these two things together, like you said, the world would be a totally different place. I mean, I actually think, you know, the uh, social media and things has its pros and its cons. But the one absolute pro is the fact that people have access to people like you and me. Yeah. And they wouldn't have had that otherwise. Absolutely. And honestly, I mean, like I'm hearing your story and I'm, I'm glad you didn't say it was a past life because the things that I've learned over the years is, you know, these witch wounds that we carry run deep. And the point is that, you know, we've all experienced fate worse than death uh, in our past. And that's why we've all come absolutely hidden. I mean, I have only come out as a healer three weeks ago today. So early June, I came out. I actually I came out you know, like poor, you know, but like sort of gay people had to in the past. You know, it's, it's I can't I find the whole thing really strange that you have to come out with your sexuality but thank goodness in the 21st century that's becoming less of an issue now thank goodness but as a healer we are behind that we we are all coming out as healers now we've been hiding ourselves as hairdressers beauticians chinese doctors acupuncturists reflexologists we're healers okay that is what we do and yeah. we heal with energy and frequency and time and yeah. stone 
and breath and crystals and and anything uh, intention anything at all we can get our hands on we will hear sure. why? because it works yeah and this is not ever poo-pooing the value of western medicine i am alive talking to you right now because of western medicine absolutely so you need to have both i often say that to people but i think some both, people not both yeah, yeah, I think some people really think I'm anti and I'm not at all. Yeah. I'm anti-Western. I've needed help. As I say, I've had open hip surgery. I needed physical help there. I was born with deformed hips. So clearly mm. I needed intervention. But like you say, it's funny you say that about kind of coming out. I don't know whether I've got this ornate resilience, but about 20 years ago, I came out and said I do psychic stuff. I'm 41 mm. and I just didn't mm. seem to be afraid. I don't know what it is about me, but I will happily embrace it. I will say to school, mums yeah I, I'm a psychic and if they flee if they run away then I think well obviously they're not in my energy frequency you know we're aligned to people that match with us and I think when we hide from who we are we're not authentic to ourselves and I really try and teach my clients that to just be true to yourself because I think so often we hide and we're miserable we're miserable because we're not really expressing who we truly are do you agree with me on that Georgia Absolutely. Um, Yes. I mean, sorry, I don't don't even know where to start with that because it's so true. It's so obviously true. It's like, yes, of course. Um, And and again, actually thinking about the, you know, sort of the the, the gay coming out analogy. It's the same thing. I have many, many gay friends to the point at which my children actually we're quite surprised we went to a straight wedding oh that's <laughs> amazing mommy it's a man and a woman I went yeah this time it is it's like wow okay so having orbited many 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 years in in the gay community myself um you know I could witness firsthand the trauma that it's like to not be able to express your love for somebody in yes. public Okay, yeah. or have to sit sort of pretending your brothers for example side by side rather than lovers and, and and having to keep it under wraps and and then the relief that it is when you can actually finally be in your truth and go actually this is who I am yeah um, and that's fine you know and, and to think that somebody like Oscar Wilde for example had to be you know was sent into prison and electrocuted for goodness sake for for his perversity and you think oh my god I mean you know that was not a long time ago that was no really- it wasn't so, so we as healers need to recognize that energy frequency. Go well, given that we live in energy frequency, the fact is that those, those the powers that be that shut us up the last time round knew that we wouldn't be able to do our jobs if we were in hiding because you couldn't be authentic to your frequency. So now we're all just coming out. We're all like, yep, yeah, I'm a healer. Yep, yeah, I believe in past lives. Yep, yeah, I read charts for a living. Yep, yeah, I mean, I'm listening to you. And I'm thinking, wow, you've got great courage. You must have yang fire in your chart. I'm like, oh, maybe she's a tiger. So immediately thinking, let's have a look at your chart. But the reality is, is that um, we need to be authentic to who we are. And the world needs both systems. It and does. This system can get in there now to work on prevention. We are not conflicting with Western medicine. Western medicine doesn't work preventatively. It never did and it never has. It's not been designed. You don't take medication to prevent. Um, perhaps you do slightly when you're older after say something like cancer and things like that but it's it's after something's already happened yeah exactly and an example where that's not true I'm just trying to and also when we look at uh, we're going off a bit but you know when we look at like depression and things it's all very well giving an antidepressant all that's doing is masking the actual problem we're not getting to the root cause of the problem I think that's the problem in in western medicine it's very quick to just willy-nilly hand out a prescription rather than get to the root cause of why are you feeling 
like this and you know uh, there's a program I do with clients where I would say to you but why do you feel like this but why but why and it can be quite uncomfortable for them but I think that they need to be looking at why they feel like this where does this stem from and this is where we kind of too easily and freely hand out a prescription I think that's what I find quite difficult Mm. and we've got to be a bit careful there because um uh I know many Western doctors and they are brilliant. Yes, okay? no, no, I, yeah, yeah. Many, many, many years studying at very, very high level. Absolutely, of yeah. And expense to come out the other side to care for people and help them. Um, the issue that you have is that it's for many people, the system because of the way that it is, is that they don't have time to... No, I was about to say they're overworked. So it's nothing to do with the doctors, like you said, absolutely incredible. It's more that the system can't cope with the amount of people. I think that's the thing. Right. So consequently, that's why... And that's exactly why, actually, I focused on Yang Sheng. When I came out of all my years of training, because I've been doing this, I've been training for over 20 years now. I mean, it doesn't stop. Um, And... Out of all the possibilities that I had in terms of what it was I chose to do, I thought this is why I focused on self-care because I looked at exactly that analogy and thought the whole system would work if we took sovereignty of our health. And, yes. and the assumption is to keep yourself well at all costs, which is what we used to do because used to people used to die all the time. Okay, people died uh, up to, at thirty. People died in childbirth. Children died in infancy. That doesn't happen anymore because of Western medicine. So the reality is is that the bit that it can't do is the preventative work or the deep the deep stuff whereby you go to your GP. I'm depressed. The, that poor GP has probably got ten minutes at the most. Absolutely, sometimes five minutes. Sometimes they get five because there's somebody else next waiting with their problem. Yeah, absolutely. So the reality is is that the, the best way to alleviate the system is if a third of the population thought actually do you know what I reckon I like given that toothbrushing clearly works surely if I'm doing the same thing for a couple of minutes a day with the right technique and the right tool then my chances of needing the doctor are lower and therefore immediately those appointments that perhaps at the moment are five or ten minutes could suddenly become 15 or 40 minutes yes and then that highly qualified doctor could actually start absolutely gritty and the whole system would improve so that's and and the thing is then people go, well, I haven't got time and I haven't got any money. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. Uh, these treat these, these techniques are free. You know, yes. that's why I do free Qigong in the morning. That's why yes. I talk about Victoria Woodall, who does free yoga in the morning. She does it with me. We we alternate. So we're, we're encouraging people into the platforms because these techniques are healing. Qigong is a healing practice. Yes. And you don't have to pay money to do this. You don't No, and I was going to say, like, you, even if you do some searches on YouTube or something, or you could get yourself a DVD of yoga, it, there's ways around it, isn't there? There's ways yeah. around it. Oh, with the internet now, I mean, there is so much free content. I don't actually know how anyone makes money anymore because yeah. there's so much free. And there's yeah. so many people in my community go, yeah, yeah, I do your free class every day, you know, and I'm like, well, great. But I will not stop giving that class away because it's a community. And that's the other wonderful thing about social media, because in that class is not just the healing power of me doing my thing uh, twice a week, but it's also all the other ladies. And it is ladies, to be honest. There's very, very, very few men in there, but, you know, they're welcome. But, um, you know, it's mainly ladies in what we call the second spring, which is the menopause in the West. Second spring, much yeah. nicer. Yeah, it is. It's lovely. Um, yeah. And it's a massive community of people and they all know each other now. 
I mean, you know, they all know each other and everyone's reaching for each other. We do love grids. We do all sorts of things. We, we That's do so lovely. Yeah. That's really lovely. Because it's a lonely path as well when you get to the menopause stage. You know, there's so much at the moment anyway out there about HRT and about people struggling. So how nice is that that these people can come together and just feel like they're not alone? Mm. Well, they're not. I mean, every single woman in the West, as far as I can see, seems to be going through horrendous menopause symptoms. And sadly, with all the knowledge that I know, I just think the entire thing's avoidable. Um, yes, and I was going to say the same. Yeah. yeah. And I am getting the message out there. Uh, it's, yeah, it's I do easy. quite a lot of healing for menopausal women with great success rates, but it's about getting out there and, and allowing people to know it. And so many people aren't aware of these other modalities. Mm, mm. So, and um, so I know that you often um, show different gua sha techniques on your Instagram and your TikTok, where people can find you. Um, and I'm noticing more shops selling gua shuas, which I think is absolutely amazing. You know, trying to bring that out into mainstream. But I think it's incredibly important to know how to use them. So, could you just give us a few tips? Obviously, people can't see you on screen, um, but just give us a few tips, um, a few really easy tips to, on how to use them. Um, well, the first thing is always make sure that when you're buying a gua sha that you're buying a really good quality one. Yes. Because uh, selling them myself, um, I know how hard it was to find a really brilliant supplier that was hitting all of the sort of humanitarian environmental touch points that are required in the production line. So if you are buying a gua sha cheaper than the one I'm selling it will not be hitting those marks. Yeah, I wanted to that say that I saw some in New Look and straight away I was like, mm, first of all, you want them to be a, a, a good crystal and half of them, you wonder what they're made of as well. They're made of glass. Yes, exactly. So, so That's kind of okay because gua sha can be performed with a rounded edged object. Okay. okay? So it, these cheap ones have rounded edges. Now, the issue with that though, is that you are not getting the crystal benefit. And no. crystals are energy. Absolutely. And energy, right. And there's all these amazing things that you can do with them. So if you're only buying glass, you're going to get glass. And that's fine if that's all you want. If you think, oh, I'm not interested in crystal, I don't care. But if you are interested in crystal, think, oh, look, there's one for six quid. I'm like, yeah, that's not a crystal. The no. reason they get a crystal is what they do is they pick up all the powder left from the production of the good ones, like mine, which are the proper thing. Um, and they, they grind up the powder and then they stick it through a factory machine and it's glass. So it's, it is made of crystal powder but that's not going to be carrying any energetic frequency. no i was gonna say i paid about 40 pounds each for mine is that yes. about right yeah. yes that's yeah mine are 42 and that is the price they have to be yeah in order for the crystals to actually go through the correct procedures to be checked certified to make sure that there's you know that the factories are checked that these things are listed and registered because if not if you don't know where your products are coming from if you're if it's not clear i can assure you that there's a problem in this yeah, supply chain. Absolutely. I do all this work with Greenpeace and all these other organizations. And I'm, I'm I, you know, I, I spend my life looking at malpractice. Um, my husband works in the insurance industry. He's a leading figure in the insurance industry where they, they will not insure dirty practices. You know, no, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't yeah. agree more. Um, and everything I do is very you know, ethical. Yeah, we have to be ethical. Now, it's not hundred percent. The production lines at the moment are as good as we can get them to be, but and it is work in progress. But you have to be like Zara before you can absolutely control the entire process from start to finish because you've got to be that big. And unfortunately, a lot of these female-led businesses like mine, we're not like Zara. We're tiny little businesses. Yes, up doing the very best we can. So I say acting with integrity to yeah. the highest possible standard that we possibly can. Thinking about that crystal that you bought. Has it got a plastic cover? 
on the packaging. Well, where's that going? Because by the way, only 5% of UK plastic actually gets recycled. The, the, the figure we are told is not true. It's not so, true, yeah. No, so only 5% of any plastic that you consume actually ends up getting recycled. The rest is in landfill and in the sea. So you need to look at that as well. That's why we don't have plastic in our in our products and our stuff's degradable and it comes in um, a velvet pouch, which actually eventually is also biodegradable, but lasts that <laughs> yeah i know it's so important we kind of think about the actual physical product but so many people don't think about the packaging now i personally do and i'm always like mortified when yeah absolutely so can you give me a couple of tips on 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 the benefits yes. but also so, just yeah what yeah so having established that the production line is all and that what you're rubbing into your skin doesn't involve animal cruelty environmental disaster and all the rest of it because presumably if you're wanting to look good it's because you're feeling good about yes. your place in the world then the first thing is to notice that a good quality crystal is always cool to the touch, no matter how hot it is. Um, so the first thing that I always do is take the crystal and I place it over my eyes because I want all that beautiful, cool frequency to go straight into the eye orbit, which is not only soothing for our poor, exhausted eyes staring at screens all day, but and also the drama that we look at on Netflix and the news and everything else, all that stuff's getting imbued into our body via our eyes. So the first thing is use it on your eyes. Then make sure that you're using it on clean skin and that you are always using some kind of slip on your skin, whether it's um, water in the shower or the face oil. Now, if you're using a face oil, Use one like mine because mine has been created for gua sha rather Perfect. than oils that are designed to be easily absorbed by the skin. If it says it's easily absorbed by the skin, that's not a good oil for face massage because it's going to disappear and then you're going to be stretching your skin. Um, never use metal on the face. Always, always use a crystal because it's soft. And then just simply take the crystal to the rounded edge and simply sweep in an upwards motion um, and sort of sweeping it from, say, the, the side of the mouth, sort of sweeping it up towards the, the side of the eyes and then sweeping it down the front of the ear, down through the neck. And that's a sort of nice. And then you can also do one if you take the crystal, place the rounded edge above your eyebrow and lift it to the forehead, um, to, the, to the hairline. Those are re they're, they're your basic techniques. But to be honest with you, the best thing to do is just go straight onto my website because there's loads of demonstrations. Yeah, I was going to say that. I was going to mention that at the end. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's really good just to get the whole circulation moving on the face, I presume, as well. The way that those strokes... Yes, absolutely. Well, gua sha increases circulation, but what well, microcirculation by up to 400%. And that's why it's so brilliant because it's clearing, it's draining the lymph. It's in, it's uh, encouraging circulation by up to 400%, thus flooding the skin with oxygen and nutrients and energy and life force, um, and also sculpting and contouring the muscles at the same time. So it's releasing stress, basically relaxing the face and it's pleasurable. I mean, this is the thing, you know, Hannah, that I said at the beginning, these self-care, like brushing your teeth, Brushing your teeth feels really nice when you do it. It does. If it didn't, you probably wouldn't do it, even though you know it's good for you. You probably would be less inclined to do it. Like, oh, no, I don't fancy doing that today. I'll feel a bit sensitive. But actually, it's a really nice feeling. Well, so are all these Yang Sheng techniques. Everything is about pleasure. And it's, again, a 21st century concept to recognize that sensuality, which is what these techniques are all about, is not the same as sexuality. And this is where I came into this journey going into sensuality as a masseuse to make people feel good yes people misinterpret that and go oh, they do, do. i know they do, do misinterpret it to me. i'm like what are you talking about no 
Yeah. Yeah. I feel we need to educate from a much younger age in schools. And I was chatting to my teacher's headmaster about this, you know, once a year, they have this like mindfulness week. And I think it's so important that we implement this daily. We need to start educating the younger generation about, you know, um, sensuality and about being present and in the moment and mindful. And, you know, it's getting better. But like you say, I think some people think, oh, sensuality and sexuality are the same and they're not. Oh, I mean, honestly, it's a standing joke in my company that every every single new product development, I go, yep, it looks like a sex toy. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> says it goes, oh, it looks like a sex toy. And I'm like, okay, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> not sex toys. Honestly, these are these are things that make you feel good about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, it's not the same thing. So I think that's a really lovely thing in the 21st century to realise that the, the, the world is waking up now to the fact that life is incredibly difficult in different ways. OK, yes. we're not on the brink of sort of, I don't know, the Second World War or something like that, where you think you're going to get blown to smithereens. It's not like that anymore. Our enemies are in the ether and half the time we don't even know what they want. OK, but the reality is, is that we're also enemies of ourselves because, you know, we're, we're cutting down the environment. We're polluting everything around us. You know, we're, we're, we're creating the problem now. We are. We are. But we're creating the solution as well. And that's why <laughs> yeah. I'm so positive in the 21st century. I'm like, we have got this wonderful moment in time right now to change it. How exciting. Yeah, we have. And do you know what? Like we were talking right at the beginning, I feel like we've come full circle because at the beginning, we talked about having to address our darkness in order to get to the light. And I feel like the same thing's happening with the way the planet is. We're kind of going through this darkness in order for us to kind of get to the light. So anyway, it's been absolutely yeah. wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, Katie, it has honestly been such a pleasure to cover, cover, sorry, oh, a topic. Oh my God, I've loved it. I've really enjoyed it. Well, I'd, honestly, have me back anytime. It was so much fun to talk to you, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. I really have appreciated it. So you can find Katie via her website, www.katiebrindle.com or on Instagram at Katie underscore Brindle and on TikTok. Thank you so much, Katie. And I look forward to chatting to you soon. Oh, thank you, Hannah, so much. Bye. Bye. Oh, God.